Hi, ladies. Thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. Hi, this is the Leader's Guide for Come Let Us Worship, Psalm 29 and 31. I am on page 66. In these two lessons, um, these two psalms, the second one, Psalm 31, is long. So we will want to pay attention to our time in Psalm 29. There are lots of fun things to talk about in Psalm 29. But um, so we don't want to shortchange it at all. But we want to pay attention and know that there's a longer lesson coming um, as well. And because of that the, um, and timing, I am going to be recommending that you skip both of the respond with your reflections questions on both of these Psalms, 29 and 31. Also during Psalm 20, well, both of these Psalms, the questions that we will be discussing, I think will allow for the um, reaction, reflections, responses to hopefully bubble up as we go through our discussions. <clears throat> so regarding Psalm 29, at the bottom of page 66, I think you can begin with the last sentence of my italicized paragraph. Uh, Psalm 29 describes the Lord showing up, making some noise, and displaying his strength. You leaders can just continue with your introduction by, on the top of page 67, saying, you saw the heading of this psalm says it is a psalm of David, and then open it up. Who could share the Hebrew word for psalm? It's mitzmor. The Hebrew definition is a melody, and it comes from the verb, which means to pluck. So um, this is a melody, a sound from a musical instrument where a string is plucked. And it also refers to, Mitzmor refers to the singing that accompanies the plucking of that instrument. So now we see that Psalm 29 is actually a song. And I'm trying to keep my comments and our transitions and some of the things from the italicized comments brief so that there's more time for the discussion of the questions and because there's so much um, to discuss in the second long lesson. All right, but Psalm 29 is actually a song, and you need to say that as you enter into the next question. Psalm 29 is actually a song, and we see a connection between Psalm 27, 28, and 29. What did David say he would do in Psalm 27, 6? He said, I will offer sacrifices in his tabernacle with shouts of joy. I will sing praises to the Lord. Psalm 28, 7, with my song, I will thank him with my song. So, um, again, emphasizing the connection of David saying he would sing, and here's a song. And that's just so cool that all these connections are right in front of us. I would read the um, couple of lines after that question, uh, Psalm 28, 7. Psalm 29 follows Psalm 27 and 28 as a song of exaltation and thanks. 
It has a lot of repetition, rhyming, and wordplay in the Hebrew. You know that was preparing you for the exercise of underlining and highlighting. Just a question you could ask that's not in the book is, what is the most repeated word or phrase in this psalm? And, uh, you know, just off the top of your head, or if you just kind of glance at your highlights, what's the most repeated thing? The voice of the Lord is what just jumps out to me. Um, or, Lord, the name of the Lord shows up. That's where our focus is. So just turn to page 68, and underneath the verse, um, it says, This song begins with a call to worship. Well, if we have just said that the name of the Lord is the most highlighted thing, it makes sense that we're being called to worship the Lord and his name is being magnified here. What are the listeners instructed to do in verses 1 and 2? Ascribe to the Lord Yahweh. I just, anyway, that's what Lord stands for here. It is the name of Yahweh when it's in all caps. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to him. Worship him in holy array. <clears throat> this psalm describes the impact of the voice of the Lord. What actions are described in verses 3 through 9? You are to look for the active verbs. Um, the sound of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, thunders. It breaks the cedars. It makes Lebanon skip like a calf. We know from... Well, I didn't make it very clear. <clears throat> Lebanon and Syrian are the names of mountains and, and places. So it's saying the land and the mountain is, is shuddering. The sound of the Lord hews out flames, shoots out lightning, shakes the wilderness, makes the deer calve, strips the forest bare. So that sets you up for the personal question at the top of page 69. And I, you might ask it by saying, what are your own experiences during a strong thunderstorm? What do you see, hear, and feel? Do you think this psalm captures that type of experience? Yes, I do. I just have crash, boom, the house shaking and shuddering, crack when you hear the lightning uh, loud noises, wind blowing, and um, it is a experience of a powerful uh, nature, powerful and also majestic and sobering and somber, and it can strike fear in us too. So um, allow different ladies to share. And I vividly remember some ladies sharing in response to that question. And one of them said, you know, she has seen the like bark come off of a pine tree at a, a lightning crack. She's really seen it. Um, the power of God's authority over nature and the power of the weather stripped the forest bare. We looked at a few storms recorded in scripture. What happened in 1 Samuel 7:10? The Lord thundered with a great thunder and confused the Philistines so that they were routed before Israel. What happened in Exodus 9:22 through 28? The Lord sent thunder, hail, fire. Um, the, the fire ran down to the earth, lightning, 
And he did that throughout the land of Egypt. What happened and why, according to Genesis 6, 5, and all those verses? Well, why did it happen? There was wickedness of man on the earth. Every intent of their heart was evil continually. And the Lord said he would blot them out. And then what happened? The fountains of the deep burst open. The floodgates of the sky opened. It rained 40 days and nights. And all flesh died. We needed that verse. Well, we didn't need it. But <laughs> it's helpful to have that um, the flood in the background of Genesis 6 from looking at Psalm 29 and verse 10. What truth is declared here? The Lord sat as king at the flood and sits as king forever. And I find it very helpful and meaningful to have those two uh, passages of scripture side by side. Genesis 6, Psalm 29, 10. And remember the flood and all the flood was. And then to read, the Lord sat as king at the flood. And it's talking about the flood of Genesis. I mean, so um, the reality of the flood is there. But God was over the flood. That just gives you an understanding of scripture. And I'm just talking right now going off the page as you can tell but let's talk about the next question and i do want to open this up for discussion from the ladies a king is a sovereign ruler one with all power and authority how is this shown in this psalm so just ask ladies to share their thoughts and reactions here um, how is his power and authority and sovereignty shown in this psalm I said he is due glory. His voice is the powerful one that impacts everything around him. And everything declares glory to him. And we also see this sovereign ruler with power and authority. And, and the ruler giving strength and peace to his people. And that's really neat to see that the ruler is giving his strength and giving his peace to the people who are bowing before him as king. Just skip on down to the next question. What do you learn about God's sovereignty over nature from Job 37, 2 through 13? There's a lot here, but it just keeps us looking at God being over and in and working through and just showing that all of the weather dynamics belong to him. Thunder and lightning is from him. He wondrously does great things we can't comprehend. He sends snow. He directs the weather. He makes ice. Um, I have verse 12. The weather is under God's guidance. He turns it so that it may do what he commands it to do. That is awesome. Next page, 70. Just ask the question. What does Psalm 29, 11 tell you about our great God who thunders out judgment against the wicked? Our God gives his people strength and peace. We had another um, passage of Psalm 29 to look at and fill in the blanks. We saw the repeated concept of glory emphasized here. The glory do his name. And they were to look up the meaning for the word glory. 
what what is the Hebrew word for glory? It's kabod or kavod. Could be said either way. Uh, the Hebrew definition properly, meaning originally, the first basic sense of this word is weight, how much something weighs. Figuratively, this word indicates splendor, glory, honor, abundance. Um, the heavy weight of glory. What do you see about God in Psalm 29 that prompts you to honor him? The sound of his voice, his voice is over many waters. It's powerful and strong. And that phrase is something that I just can't comprehend. I can hear lots of waters, and I don't know whether it means his voice is louder than the sound of waters or his voice sounds like many waters. That's just something that remains quite mysterious to me. Um, but we also see in Psalm 29, his, he directs the weather for his purposes and he gives strength and peace to his people. You may have some more things. This is a personal application of this psalm. What, what prompts you to honor him? So I'd love to hear um, the different answers from the ladies. It, they could say something like, you know what? It tells me to ascribe to the Lord glory. So um, that prompts me to honor him because it tells me to do so. What do you see about God in the following scriptures that prompts you to honor him? These three psalms are really good, but you might want to skip them. Just if you have spent a lot of time in discussion on something, um, because they are, I would rather you go to the top of page 71 and spend time just uh, reviewing what God himself says about his glory when he described himself and caused his glory to pass by Moses. Um, so what do you learn about God in Exodus 33? Moses said, show me your glory. And then God made all his goodness pass before him. He proclaimed his name, saying that he is gracious and compassionate to whomever he chooses. That is sobering and humbling to us and reminds us of God's sovereignty. The Lord descended in a cloud and said, um, oh, you know what? Some of what I just said, I think I read around Exodus 33, 18, like verse 19 and 20, because I just was reading, because that's what happens when my Bible is open. I read things around it. Um, but from 34, 5 through 7, we see where the Lord said he is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in hesed. Um, loving kindness. He forgives and he does not leave the guilty unpunished. How did Moses respond to the seeing and hearing of the God of glory? He made haste in the new NAS to bow low to the earth and worship the Lord. I love it. He made haste. He hurried up. He's like, I got to get down on my knees. Um, in the middle of the next paragraph, it says, Knowing our God of glory is the safest refuge from any storm or circumstance. Our greatest protection and peace will come when we ascribe to him the glory due his name. And then the next statement, The glory of the Lord is the sum total of all of his divine perfections and attributes. It's the essence of who God is. 
It is infinite, immeasurable, and inexhaustible. And I encouraged ladies to write a song, a poem, or a prayer. And I would just give ladies an opportunity to share. Some are creative and um, may have written a little something. Or did they draw a picture or have a prayer? Or is there anything here that they want to share? Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you what I wrote here. Glory, 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 I can't say it enough. You, my God and Savior, my keeper when it's rough. You are the King of glory, compassionate and kind. Forever I will praise you until the end of time. And I had to think about that phrase, until the end of time. I'm like, is time going to end? I'm going to keep praising him forever. I'm just going to go with... Uh, in eternity, we might not have time, but time won't end or our understanding of it. So <laughs> I had to think through even just like that phrase, the end of time. Ha. Ah. Okay. Arranging the flowers, Psalm 30. My lecture is on Psalm 30. So you really don't need to spend any time on that particular Psalm. And then we're going to Psalm 31. Again, this is a long Psalm, a long lesson. It's similar to Psalm 22 in that it is an expression of trust in the Lord and a cry for his help during a time of great suffering. Skip that responsive question. Make the statement that David is an example of one who trusts in the Lord's faithfulness. So how does David describe his trials according to the following verses? I have a suggestion for you that helps me. You may already do this, but... With my green highlighter, I have, I mean, I underline all these things that I'm saying to you, but I've underlined the question, and then I also have highlighted, like, where it says verse 4, and verses 8 through 13, and then verse 1, verse 2, verse 9, verse 15, 17, in these, and then on the next page as well, page 73, we've got some things here, because I've been using a black pen and to write my answers, and those uh, black ink verse labels kind of disappear into my writing so it just helps me see um and the ladies may depending on what color they're doing their homework in if they've done their homework with a black pen those verse labels may disappear to them too so just it will help if you will mention you know how does david describe his trials according to the following verses what do you see in verse 4? And then let them answer. They secretly laid a net for him and caught him in a trap. What did you see in verses 8 through 13? And you could set this up to go around the circle with that question and the next question on page 72, these two. Um, I recommend that. Verse 8 through 13, David is not given over to the hand of the enemy, but he is in distress. He's grieving. His soul and body are wasting away. His life is full of sorrow and sighing. People want nothing to do with him, um, and he is shunned. What are David's specific prayer requests in the following verses? Verse 1, he says, let me never be ashamed. Deliver me. Verse 2, Incline your ear. Rescue me quickly. Be 
the rock and stronghold to save me. And I was remembering just the what I have kind of had as a aha of the rock and stronghold being perhaps a cave that he could be hidden in. Verse 9, David prays, be gracious to me. Verses 15 to 17, he prays, deliver me from enemies and those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon me. Save me. Let me not be put to shame. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. So he's praying for himself, but he's also praying for God's um, justice. Okay, so those were David's specific prayer requests, and you can see at the bottom of page 72, following a formula for prayer is worthless if your words are not expressions of your own faith. So we're looking at David's faith here, and we want to make, uh, we want to um, encourage our own faith and knowledge of who God is. At the top of page 73, woven throughout this psalm are David's declarations of his knowledge of the Lord's character and his personal relationship with him. So what statements did David make about the Lord? Um, I think you can still keep going around a group just to keep things moving here. And that's one of the um, tips to help us talk through the long lessons is to just have ladies prepared and know we're going around a circle and they can always say pass if they need to, but you will manage your time better if you have them ready instead of just um, waiting for someone to share. We'll give them um, an opportunity in a minute to open it up and not go around the circle. So according to verses 1 through 5, David says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. In your righteousness, deliver me. You are my rock and my fortress. You will lead me and guide me. You will put Oh, pull me out of the net. You will pull me out of the net. You are my strength. He says, into your hand I commit your spirit. So into your hand, in your hand. He's putting himself in the Lord's hands. Um, you have ransomed me. And he calls him the God of truth. Oh, I, because that's a statement about the Lord, I wrote it even though it doesn't say you are. Uh, verses 7 and 8. David refers to the loving kindness of the Lord, your loving kindness. Um, you have seen my affliction. You have known trouble of my soul. You have not given me over to my enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. Verses 14 and 15. I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hand. Verse 19 through 21. How great is your goodness. You have stored up your goodness. I like I wrote, you have stored up, parentheses, your goodness. You have wrought, parentheses, your goodness. You hide, parentheses, those who take refuge. Um, I love verse 21. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. It, in the next paragraph towards the end, it is so important to be able to declare the truth of who the Lord is, even when you don't feel like you're experiencing experiencing his goodness and love. Please take this opportunity to declare the truth of who the Lord is in your own words. So we'd love to hear different ladies share some comments. You don't have to say everything that you've written, but um, 
if there's a prayer or a statement, a declaration. And this, um, so just let, uh, I love to hear how ladies have put things in their own words and what their version of this is. Mine are just statements. You are the Lord, righteous deliverer. You are my rock and my fortress, my leader and guider. You are my strength, God of truth. Your loving kindness sees me and knows me. You see and know all my pain and trouble. You are good. You hide me. Your loving kindness is marvelous. Um, so once you've had ladies share um, some, then we see this question, do you believe this? So, you know, you could just have a summary and hopefully they're all going to nod, but there's an opportunity here even when you ask the question, do you believe what you've just shared? Do you believe what you've heard everybody share here? You might say it that way. That they can nod, but if someone is struggling, then they've got the opportunity to speak up if they want to. We looked at Hebrews 11. What is so important about faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That comes quickly and easily out of that passage. But we also see that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's substance evidence. If you took Hebrews, then hopefully that, that word evidence really is understood to be, you know, this is evidence that will, will hold up in court. It is that kind of evidence. It is a reality. Uh, but some other things in Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, the elders gained approval of the Lord by faith. And by faith, we understand things around us. We act and obey and believe that God is by faith. So there are a few other things. There are a few things that you can um, glean from those first verses in Hebrews 11. Staying in Hebrews on the next page, 74, what does Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 tell us to do? Lay aside every encumbrance. Lay aside sin that entangles us. Run with endurance the race set before us. Fix our eyes on Jesus and consider him. And we learned from our Hebrew study that consider means to add up, like on a balance sheet. Add up. Think about everything that Jesus endured. So fixing our eyes on him and thinking about what he endured. Um, we also looked at what Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 tells us about Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He sat down at the right hand of God. He endured hostility from sinful men. So we fixed our eyes on Jesus and his suffering and what he endured by reading Luke 23. And then the question was, what type of suffering do you see Christ experiencing that is similar to the trials described in Psalm 31? I have from verse 4 that um, there was secretly laid for him a net. Judas did that. Uh, verse 9, he wasted away. There were sorrow and sighing in his life. Verse 13, he endured the slander of many. Uh, there were those who schemed for his life. Again, Judas and the Pharisees, Sanhedrin. Verse 18, there were lying lips speaking arrogantly about him and at him when he was on the cross. You may have more things that you um, noted, and that's fine. Skip the big paragraph, and now um, 
come to, you were to choose a verse or phrase that you could commit to memory and call to mind during times of trouble. You might even mention that, you know what? Jesus recalled a phrase from this psalm when he was in his greatest suffering. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Is that later? Uh, Wait. Um... Well, I know that I mentioned it, and it must be in that paragraph. Oh, yeah, sorry. So, um, I'm just looking at that middle paragraph. But never mind. What verse did you choose to call to mind during times of trouble? I have verse 7. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you have seen my affliction. You have known the trouble of my soul. In verse 22, David says something I think is very interesting and we need to consider. Read this verse and explain what he meant. Um, I, well, so what did he mean? What did he say? What did he mean? He was in alarm. He cried out. Oh no, I'm cut off from you. Nevertheless, you heard me. And I have parentheses. So I was wrong. Um, there's, there's a sense of David understanding he said something nevertheless and you saw the net bible translation i jumped to conclusions and said i'm cut off from your presence but you heard my plea for mercy when i cried to you for help so do you ever jump to the wrong conclusion about the lord um i don't know if you want to read anything else from no, those are all questions. So if you read them, it asks, sounds like you're asking the group questions and you don't want to do that. So at the top of page 75, call on someone to read um, that maybe if you're glancing around, you can tell they've got something written on their page at this point, at the end of the lesson. Have someone read Psalm 3114, which says, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. So we are again looking at the personal knowing and personal relationship, calling out to God as my God, praying to him. What do you learn about the loving kindness of the Lord from verses 7, 16, and 21? Verse 7, because of his loving kindness, he sees and knows my affliction. He pays attention to me. Verse 16, because of his loving kindness, he will make his face shine on me and save me. Verse 21, he makes his loving kindness marvelous to me. Um, The end of this song includes a charge to the assembly. Based on David's testimony, what are we to do and to know according to Psalm 31? What are we to do? What do we know? Love the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, hope in the Lord. I didn't really answer what are we to know, Um, so I'll be curious. (laughs) I need to read it again to see what we need to know. Um, But also, what are we to do? Because it says, love the Lord, you godly ones. I also wrote that we are to be godly be his godly people and be faithful to him so i missed the knowing part but i um, 
hopefully got what we are to do. So perhaps in closing, if you don't, if you, um, if you need a closing sentence, the very last lines of the page, both Hebrews and Psalm 31 tell us that we are to be strong, not, not grow weary and not lose heart, but let our hearts take courage in the Lord as we endure trials through faith in the Lord. And I don't know, um, well, I know it's the year 2020 and it will be November 2nd and 3rd, election day in the United States when these two lessons are being discussed in our classes and trusting the Lord, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter who your leaders are, that's critical. So I am aware in my own um, application of these two Psalms that we are uh, facing a, a new season in the United States when this election happens, no matter who's elected president, it's going to be another, uh, a new time. So um, I just wanted to mention that. I'm so thankful for the Psalms and how they keep reminding us, the Lord said his king over the flood. The Lord is our king and we trust in him and the Lord is um, watching and knows all of our troubles and his loving kindness is always with us. So that's all of my comments for now. I, again, tried to keep them brief so that there is time for discussion in your groups. And I thank each one of you who is leading a group. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. That's all. Thanks for listening. My in-depth Bible study workbooks on Job, Psalms, Ezekiel, Matthew, Ephesians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and Hebrews are available on Amazon. My coordinating lectures are available on my website and YouTube and other podcast episodes. I pray that God's Word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path.